Greetings from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chicago on this the third Sunday of Lent. We welcome all without exception, whoever we are, whatever our religious or spiritual background, whether we have joined in person in our buildings or found this community online, whatever the color of our skin, our sexual and gender identities, God welcomes us here, and it is God's acceptance of us that compels us to welcome one another and to stand against racism, sexism, heterosexism, xenophobia, classism, ageism, ableism, and all forms of hate and prejudice. Through our faith and through being created in God's image, we are truly one as we gather for liturgy this morning. We now begin with the gathering hymn and its mention of the temple as one of the images refers to an image in our gospel this morning.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. pray. Holy God, through your Son, you have called us to live faithfully and act courageously. Keep us steadfast in your covenant of grace and teach us the wisdom that comes only through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Exodus. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the inequity of parents, to the third and the fourth generations of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses the divine name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. 
word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims its maker's handiwork. One day tells its tale to another, and one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard, their sound has gone out into all lands and their message to the ends of the world where God has pitched a tent for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The teaching of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the simple. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can detect one's own offenses? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins, let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. A reading from 1 Corinthians. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, 
the world did not know God through wisdom. God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are being called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. steadfast love come to us, O Lord. Save us as you promised, we will trust your word. Let your steadfast love come to us, O Lord. Save us as you promised, we will trust your word. Proclaim Christ crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let your steadfast love come to us, O Lord. Save us as you promised, we will trust your word. The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The Passover of the Jewish people was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both sheep and cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Judeans then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Judeans then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. During seminary, 
I worked at Cedar's Mediterranean Restaurant as a server. It was a good job, and I really loved the people that I worked with. One of the first lessons that I learned there was how to turn tables. And what they meant by this was that when a table of people had finished their meal and started to leave, we should bust that table as quickly as possible and get it ready for the next guests. During busier shifts that I worked, people would be waiting in our waiting area to be seated. So the faster that we could get these tables turned, the faster we could get these next guests seated to their table and eating. It was a fun and frenetic place to work on those busy nights. But it was especially worth it when customers would leave satisfied and especially when they'd leave us a big tip. After that first year of seminary, I left Chicago for the summer to do my clinical pastoral education, so I inevitably left my job at Cedars. But throughout the rest of my seminary journey, I learned new ways of turning tables. Not necessarily in the restaurant setting, but more so in the public sphere through community organizing. And it's this kind of turning tables that is inspired by our gospel reading today where Jesus enters the temple and flips the money changers' tables. It was this radical energy of Jesus that excited me and many of my seminary classmates to dream of building enough power ourselves so we could start to turn over the tables of inequality and racism and sexism, queer phobia, and to finally start to reverse the destruction that we are causing to this earth. I'd be lying if I said that this table-flipping gospel doesn't still awaken that radical side of myself, because it does. But as I thought about preaching this sermon, I didn't want to just pick the low-hanging fruit that would rile myself up, or maybe many of you as well, to just start going out there and flipping tables. So instead, I thought about the part of the story that we don't get. Like what happened in the temple after Jesus turns all the tables and prophesies about his death and resurrection? Like what happens after that? I imagine Jesus having this mic drop moment and strutting out of the temple with his disciples close behind. But the money changers and the other Jews in the temple must have just been standing there, silently stunned, looking around at one another, but slowly they began picking up the coins one by one off the ground and cleaning up the tables that were strewn all about, flipping them back over into their right place. But in my vision, the people in this temple don't just go back to business as usual right away. They're too shocked to just go back to selling animals for sacrifice after all Jesus had done to drove out, drive out all the animals. So for the moment, it's actually just the people and the empty tables. Maybe a stray dove flapping around there, but mostly just an empty space. So these money changers and these Jews begin to surround these tables for conversations about what just happened to them. A few of them are incensed that Jesus would do such a thing 
especially in the temple of all places. Doesn't he have any respect for private property? Some start to even call for criminal prosecution of this reckless rioter, Jesus. But I imagine there's also a few of them who start to question this system of ritual sacrifice that had been in place and had excluded the poor and those who were unclean and not able to enter the temple to perform these ritual sacrifices. Some of those folks who are starting to question this system altogether start to voice their sympathy with Jesus' action and begin to wonder out loud if the system at all can even be reformed or if it has to be dismantled altogether in order to be more inclusive and accessible to all people. And then there are yet others who don't quite have the words to articulate their reaction to what Jesus just did. So they quietly and patiently listen, and they search their own heart for what is being asked of them in response to Jesus' actions. I imagine these crowded table discussions in the temple just after Jesus has flipped the tables. They may have felt kind of frustrating or maybe even pointless to some. Everybody just said what they were already believed, and no one actually changed their mind or left with any kind of change of heart. But maybe there was something more happening under the surface that no one could fully understand or explain just yet. Because after what Jesus did, after that transgression, all of a sudden people were faced with the truth that they had to make a decision. Would things just go back to the way they were, or would they seek change? Ultimately, the tables that Jesus flipped, they had to be set again and put back in their place. And we do know the end of the story, so we know what happens from here. Jesus and his message of life and liberation could not exist alongside of these systems of inequality and exploitation and death. So one of them had to go. And it turned out to be Jesus. But does that mean that Jesus' table-flipping moment was in vain or that this system of inequality and exploitation and death had actually won? No way. Because we also know that Jesus does what he said he would do that day in the temple. He did rise from the dead after three days. And for us, that is good news because we too, through our baptism, have died a death like Jesus's. And in doing so, we will also experience a resurrection like his. You see, even though the table-flipping instinct in me is strong, I also recognize the reality and the need to reset that table so that we can welcome more people to it. And that's when I think back to my serving days at Cedars, where we eagerly turned tables to welcome as many guests as we could in a single shift. And I wonder if we could think of our own communion tables in this way, which right now are our own dinner tables or maybe your coffee table. Maybe it's time to turn our own tables and reset them so that more people can come to know our table's abundance. The High Women are a band that I really like, and they have a song called Crowded Table. 
And the lyrics go like this. Yeah, I want a house with a crowded table and a place by the fire for everyone. The door is always open. Your picture's on my wall. Everyone's a little broken and everyone belongs. Yeah, everyone belongs. What if our communion tables reflected the vision of this song? What if we cleared our table of all of the stumbling stumbling blocks and set it back in such a way that there was no question that every person has a spot prepared for them at this table? Not just that there's room for them at the table, but that the table was set with them in mind. I think that's why Jesus turned the tables in the first place, because they were set in such a way that actively discriminated against the poor and the ritually unclean, to the extent that there was no place for them at the table. And Jesus cannot abide, so he overturns the table to communicate that the Lord's table has a place for everyone, intentionally prepared for each and every one of us. It was set with you and with me in mind. And in response, we are not only called then to be table flippers, but we're also called to be table setters as well, inviting all to God's table of mercy. And I imagine when we arrive at that table at the last, when everyone will finally take their place at that crowded table, I cannot wait for the conversations and for the food and for the fellowship that is had and savored. The table that was once turned has now been set with you in mind. So I invite you to take your place at that table and to experience God's abundant spread. Amen.
with the whole church. Let us confess our faith. I believe in, in God, God, the, the Father, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Having heard the word of God, let us confess our sins in the presence of God and of one another. At this time of reflection, if you may prefer to turn off your camera or to assume a different bodily posture, such as standing or kneeling, whatever is comfortable for you. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that, that we, we may delight, delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Again, turning on our cameras. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead to sin and made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit, that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. Amen. On this third Sunday in Lent, let our prayer reflect the guidance of the Ten Commandments. O God, our lawgiver, our temple, our wisdom, form your church to worship you alone. As you blessed Gregory the Great, so bless our bishops for their ministry in church and world. Let us pray. Lord, Lord have mercy. mercy. Protect all who call upon the power of your name. As you bless the martyr Perpetua and her companions, so bless Courtney and Grady, preparing for baptism, and all preparing to affirm their baptism at Easter. Let us pray. Lord, Lord have mercy. Even during this pandemic, connect us in diverse ways to our worshiping communities, 
and give to all persons regular rest from their work. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Bless with wisdom all parents and any who are granted authority over others, and give to children the will to honor those who care for them. Let us pray. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. Keep the nations of the earth from engaging in war, bloodshed, and torture, and help people of all ages to resist the lure of violence. Let us pray. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. mercy. Uphold marriages and all commitments of care, and defend all persons, especially children, from sexual abuse. Let us pray. Lord, Lord have mercy. Guard your earth, its animals, and its plant life from all who would take for themselves more than they need. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Train the diverse peoples of our nation to respect one another. As you blessed Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth, so bless all who work to end discrimination and the oppression of the vulnerable. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Use our bounty to meet the needs of others, those who are homeless or hungry, and hear our prayers for all who are sick or suffering, all afflicted with the coronavirus, Charles Cole, and all we name in the chat or by unmuting. Let us pray. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. Receive our thanks for Blessed Mary and all who have died in the faith and bring us all at the end into the fullness of your life. Let us pray. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. We entrust ourselves and all our prayers to you, O faithful and gracious God, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Please now greet those in your home or greet one another online with a gesture, a sign of peace. Peace be with you. Peace. Peace. Peace, peace. peace Kathy. Peace. Peace. Peace, people. We are grateful that you are gathering with us for our online liturgy moments. We will be celebrating Holy Communion, and you're welcome to join us in that if you prepare elements, or there will also be a blessing for those preferring not to commune. Following worship today, our own biblical scholar from our congregation, Carol LaHerd, will be leading our small bites, and it will be a continuation of reflection on the very intriguing gospel this morning from John, the title, And You Thought Jesus Was Just a Nice Guy from Nazareth with some special reflections related to power, religion, and economics of Jesus' day, and how we interpret some anti-Jewish parts of this reading and the Gospel of John. So we hope you can join us for Small Bites at 10.30. During the season of Lent, you're welcome to join us every Thursday for evening prayer at 7 p.m., and that link information is uh, on our website, in the announcement section, and also in the e-news. Um, you are also uh, welcome to make uh, an offering online if you're not
doing recurring offerings and to sign our welcome newcomer online form as well that we may know the extent of our worshiping community. On Monday, March 15th, we'll be having an orientation for folks either in this area or around the country who'd like to be connected to Holy Trinity, just deepen your ties with us. Some of you may be retaining membership in a community where you live, which we would love to have happen, but now that you're worshiping with us, we'd also love for you to have connections to us. And in the ELCA, there's a, a provision for associate members where you can actually be members of two congregations or even two denominations. So there will be information, there's information on your screen and a way to sign up for that orientation, to connect with one another, and so that I might learn a little bit more about how online liturgy is for you as we make plans for the future. And lastly, change is in the air, right? Longer days, more sunlight, more warmth. Shoots are coming through the ground in our garden at Holy Trinity. And the other thing to say is that we begin asbestos abatement tomorrow. So most of the rooms are completely emptied and it's a new form of holy joyful chaos here at Holy Trinity during these next four to five months of construction. We continue now with uh, a time of setting the table with a choral anthem, and you're welcome, if you've not already, to set your table as we share the feast of the Eucharist.
May Christ, who calls you to take up your cross, give you strength to bear your own and one another's burdens. And may God bless you now and forever in the strong name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen.
Go in peace, remember the poor. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.